Now, we are going to do a bit of Bible study this morning. Um, that sounds a bit dull, doesn't it? Um, we're we're going to think about having a heart like Jesus. This is part of our new teaching series. And uh, we're thinking about what it is like to have a heart like Jesus. Um, I just want to start with a little quiz for you. Now, these days, very often, the, the celebrities would have a look-alike. There are people out there trying to make money because they want to look like their celebrity. So, for example, is this working? Oh, there we go. There's a picture. Who do you think that could be like? King Charles, thank you. He's got an upgrade, okay? King Charles, okay? So let's have a look. Yes, that's, he's not bad, is he? How about this one? Okay. Yeah, that's a bit difficult, isn't it? No, it's not. No, no, somebody much more, somebody much more um, well-known. How about him? No. That's rubbish. Okay. What about this one? Okay. Lewis Hamilton? Uh, yeah, you got that one right. Now, I'm almost tempted to say I will give you money if you can get this one right. Matthew. <laughs> um, you're not going to win. Okay, now this is the big reveal. Um, nobody's given me an answer, so here we go. <laughs> he claims... <laughs> he claims he's a George Clooney lookalike. Um, there you go. Yep, I think Benita's saying she looks more like George Hamilton than he does. So, yeah, that's... Uh, but do you see, the whole thing of what I'm going to tell you is this, that actually God has a plan for your life, and his plan is that actually you become like his son. Yeah? Okay? It says that... Uh, we had this verse last Sunday. It talks about that the Lord is the Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is... There is freedom. And we, with unfailed faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, if you were to ask a parent today what they want for their children, the words that come to my mind are, I want my children to be happy. Okay? That's... Um, and unfortunately, God, our Heavenly Father, when it comes to you, he doesn't say, I want you to be happy. Now, if, you, if you're new to Christianity, you might want to just say, oh, great, you know, um, I thought God wanted me to be happy. God wants you to have, have a fulfilled life. But ultimately, God's desire for you is so that you become like his son, Jesus Christ. In the way you think and the way you act, and the stuff you do. Years ago, there was those little bands, wasn't there? The, the little rubber bands you put around your wrist. WWJD was what would Jesus do? And, you know, at the time, all the kids had them. And, you know, you're always supposed to think, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? You would act accordingly. And God's plan for your life is that you become like Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean you need to go and get sandals and grow a beard. Some of you ladies would be very pleased. But actually, it means that your lifestyle and your thinking, the way you act, 
is like him. Yes? Yeah, okay, so you got that, right? Take that one off. We could stop there, couldn't we? But what we're trying to do in this series is to say, actually, what we want to do as the church, and as God's people here, we want to have a heart like Jesus. So what we need to do is we need to look at the heart of Jesus and say, what was it like? And, and how can we learn from that? How can we emulate him as a person? Now, that's a very tall order, but we're all work in progress. But it's about taking a direction and taking steps to become like him. So this morning, we're going to talk about having a heart like Jesus. Now, um, I'm not going to do a single Bible reading because there are so many passages that talk about Jesus and the heart he had for people around him. And there are three words that I'm going to pick out this morning because when I read the Gospels, these are the three groups of people that I see him actually having a heart for and doing something about it. And the first group of people would be the people who were lost. Um, oh, I'm in charge, aren't I? I've got to do this. But difficult thinking uh, and doing things at the same time. But um, So Jesus had a heart for the lost. And we see that. The Gospel writers make a, a real point of that. And, and it says... Uh, it says in both Matthew and Mark that Jesus had uh, tried to get away from people. People followed him. They ran around the lake to see him. And when, it says this, when Jesus landed from his boat and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So Jesus gets off the boat and straight away he has this overwhelming feeling. These people are lost. They are lost with, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, if you, if you look at what uh, the Pharisees were supposed to be, they were the religious leaders. They were the guides and the shepherds for the people. And yet the shepherds, the Pharisees, actually were not guiding people. They were just in it for themselves. They were uh, tying people up with religious rules and regulations. And so Jesus recognized that these people before him, they were lost. They were lost without God, lost without a shepherd. And Jesus then goes on to think, well, actually, why did I come? And it says in Luke 19 that he came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus wanted to be that shepherd. And we've sung about that, haven't we? The reckless love song is about God coming after us, Jesus coming after us, because we are the ones who lost, who are lost. And so there, you know, Jesus told the parable too, the lost sheep. And talks about how the shepherd goes after the one. Even though he's got 99, he still cares about the one. And that shows God's love for us. And so Jesus realized that these people, they needed a shepherd. They needed to be directed. They needed a way to find God. And so he comes and he offers them salvation. And I suppose what, what I think is actually, what about us as God's people? Do we have a concern for the people who are lost around us? Do we? Do we really care that people are going to die without knowing Jesus? And the Bible says go to a lost eternity without him. Do we really care about what's happening in our world? We were, I was, we were talking as, as elders about some of the, the things that are happening with young people. And some of the stats are totally shocking about what's happening with young people today. And there was a, a study done in America uh, looking at teenage girls. 
and how um, the increase in teenage girls wanting to commit suicide has doubled in 10 years. <coughs> how many of them are being forced to have sex. Uh, and we're talking, you know, young people between the ages 12 and 16. And life of them is, 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 is just full of turmoil, turmoil. And do we care as the people of God that people are lost, our young people are truly lost? Because they don't have the teaching, the background that many of us had. They don't know about God. They don't know about God's love. Do we care? And as I was writing, I was thinking, you know, actually, um, it's a bit like the difference between an ark and a, the ark, Noah's ark, and a lifeboat. See, when Noah's ark uh, was built, what, he put his family in there, he put the animals in there, he shut the door, he waited for the rain. The rain came, and the ark didn't actually go anywhere. Do you realize it didn't have a rudder? It didn't need a rudder. It didn't need um, you know, a motor or anything like that, because it just sat there and floated. And no one else could get in. And I think sometimes the church is very content to be like that. You know, we've got a good number on Sunday morning. Why do we need more people? Why do we need lost people in this church? Oh, they're going to cause a few problems, aren't they? because they don't know what to say. They won't be able to sing the songs we love and so on. They won't know the Bible. We'll have to teach them this and this. Cool. It could be hard work if we have lost people come into our church and get saved. You see, the church should be a lifeboat, not an ark. Because surely we have the words of eternal life. We have the gospel that will change anybody's life forever. And we saw that last weekend. Someone got saved in the baptism, well, not in the baptism, but in the baptism, in the, in the service. And somebody got saved, and everybody's going, fantastic. And all of a sudden, something in you goes, yeah, this yeah. is what it's about. Hallelujah. This is what it's about, seeing people come to faith. Those who are lost, yeah. being found. Hallelujah. The 99 <laughs> is you. But what about the one who's lost? Yeah. Do we have our hearts <laughs> for the lost? Yes? Let's move on, because I've got two more points to tell you. The, th the second thing, oh, I've got to do this, haven't I? Here we go. Is he had a heart for the poor. Who did Jesus hang out with? Did he hang out with all the rich people? Well, he hung out with a few rich people, but most of his time was spent with poor people, because the divide in that society was great. There were the very rich and there were the very poor, and Jesus decided to hang out with poor people. The people who could not afford to go and worship. The people who struggled day to day to put food on the table. He spent time with them and he had compassion on them. So much compassion on them that he decides on two occasions to feed them. He decides to feed them. And it says when they were, he was teaching all day, feeding of the 5,000, he said to his disciples, I feel compassion for these people because they re remained with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry for they may faint on the way. And so he fed people out of his love, out of his compassion. He was spent time with the poor. And what he said to his disciples was, you do the same. You do the same. And when we get to Matthew 25... When we're talking about the end of time, we're talking about judgment. Jesus speaks about how helping him, we're actually helping the poor. Matthew 25 says, I truly tell you the truth. 
Whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers, you did for me. I tell you the truth. This is a bit further on. What you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was in prison, did you come and visit me? And so Jesus is showing that actually when we help the poor, we're actually helping him. And the the early church took that on. And they fed the poor. And in fact, when I was walking the dog, when I walk my dog, I very often listen to the Bible. Uh, Do a Bible app and listen to it. And um, last year, it was the 8th of September, 2021. No, two years ago. Oh, man. I'll do the Bible through the year. And it was the 8th of September, and I was reading, listening to Galatians chapter 2, verse 10, which you don't know. None of you know it but I'll read it to you. All they asked was that they should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. All I ask was that you continue to remember the poor. And that just, uh, you know, sometimes God just kind of hits you around the head with a Bible voice, going, oh, my goodness. And it was just, you know, you're listening to it, and you're walking along, and all of a sudden, this just popped out. And it's like, wow. What do we do in this church to help the poor? What are we doing to help the poor? Now, as God slapped you around the head, sometimes he goes and says, right, this is what you need to do. And then what's happened in the last, probably the last two years, it would be, yeah, 18 months, two years, is that as a church, we're now doing a number of things, a number of initiatives to help the poor, to help those who need, those who are struggling with the cost of living problem. So, for example, we were so brilliant that we have food bank here on a Friday morning. We open our doors to those who are struggling. We invite them in and offer them hospitality and advice and love, and, and very often people get prayed for as well. We now have uh, our Cook and Eat project. We are, tomorrow afternoon, we have eight families, eight needy families who will come into this building. Uh, a parent and a child will cook together, cook an amazing meal, which they'll go home and share with their family, all for free. They'll learn some stuff about nutrition, but we're there feeding our whole family. And some of these families are six or eight. They're big. On Thursday, we open our doors for Community Food Link. We're saying, give us the food, and we will distribute it. We will get it to the people in need. We're doing TLG. We're hoping the summer that we... Well, we we are going to in the summer. Let's do it. We're going to do a thing called Make Lunch and open our doors during the school holidays to feed our community. And I think for what God's... You know, just God said, you know, get involved with the poor. Because they need... They need so much. Do you know, and I think as people, the, the, the 5,000 pe- people were fed, or some people say 12 or 20,000 people were fed because it was 5,000 men. What they realized was here was a man called Jesus who is grace enough and loves us enough to feed us. I wonder what people think about the church whether the church really cares for the poor around them, or whether we're, again, just, you know, we're all doing really well financially, so we're all okay. Surely God wants us to have a heart of compassion for the poor around us. 
those who are in need. So, last one. It's me again. Having a heart for the broken. I think uh, if you read the, the Gospels, there are 23 occasions where Jesus did miracles. 23 times where the power of God through him was able to help people physically and spiritually. One of my favorite stories is the story of the widow of Nain, who uh, a widow lost her husband and her son dies and uh, they put him on a, uh, I was going to call it a pallet, that's how it, a stretcher. Bear, I think it's called a bear or something, and they basically are going to take him and they're going to put him in a hole. They're going to dig not a nice grave like we have, just a great big round circle. They're just going to drop the body into the grave. Jesus turns up at the funeral. He walks up to the coffin, no, the bear or the body, puts his hand and just says, but son, you know, get up. And that point, the boy comes back to life. But what it does say, and I think it's found in Luke chapter 7, is that Jesus had compassion. Because he saw that this woman had lost the person who was going to provide for her. Husband was dead, now her son is dead, and she had no one else in the world. She would have been thrown out. She would have had nowhere to live, no one to support her. And so Jesus, full of compassion, does something about the situation. And Jesus goes around touching people, healing people. The blind man, I think it's in Matthew, he does that because he feels compassion for them. And there's another great story of the leper. Um, at the beginning of, I think it's the beginning of Mark, the leper comes to Jesus, says, you could, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And it doesn't say Jesus took half an hour to think about it. Mm, I am, do I want to do this? It says straight away, he says, I am willing and he touches the, touches the leper, touches the leper, and that's just another amazing thing, isn't it? And the leper is healed. And so Jesus had compassion on those who were broken. You see, the rest of society didn't care. If you were broken, that's your fault. You've probably done something, offended God, and that's why you're in a mess you're in. But Jesus had compassion upon them. But what we also need to realize is that Jesus didn't just have compassion. Because it's very easy to feel, isn't it? I'm not a great feely person. But, you know, sometimes you watch something on telly and it just kind of touches your heart and you have a, you know, just... And then you move on because you're a bloke. You know, well, I'm not going to cry over this. But, but the truth is, sometimes we feel something and we can feel it quite strongly. But the question is, what do we do next? And I just want to challenge you this morning as I kind of bring this to a close. We have talked this morning about those who are lost. Do we feel, how do we feel when we know people are lost without God? Do we feel anything at all? Because Jesus had so much emotion feeling that he actually lost, left heaven and came to this earth to seek and save what is lost. How do we feel about the poor? Does that touch our hearts? Does that move us when we see people come into the building saying, I've got nothing? How about the broken? And I was reminded uh, on Thursday evening 
at our elders meeting that actually we have a lot of broken people in our church. People just don't show it. But do we care about one another in church and what people are going through? You see, we can feel things, but we need to do something about it. Which is why, Julie, I asked you that question. Because I thought to myself, well, why do you do this? Why do you do this? And your answer, thank you, was perfect. Firstly, because something happened in your heart. God touched your heart with a situation. And you couldn't take that baby home, but you could change the lives of so many more people. In fact, if you'd taken the baby home, maybe you would have changed one life. But because you didn't take the baby home and God stirred you, you've changed thousands of lives. You see, but it wasn't just a feeling, was it? You had a feeling and then you did something about it. And that is what Jesus was like. He saw the need. He had compassion, but that drove him to do something. He came to seek because he had a feeling, but he came to save. And that was his action. And I just want to encourage you this morning about having a heart, but there's a little bit more to it. It's about doing something about it. And what I love about Jesus was Jesus got face-to-face with people. He got face-to-face with people. He came from heaven down to earth and got face-to-face with the poor, with the broken and with the lost. And maybe God is calling you to do something, to get face-to-face with those in need. Do you feel anything? And what are you going to do? about those feelings. Because sometimes it's just a feeling, but sometimes it is a calling that comes from God. One of the most dangerous prayers to pray is, here I am, Lord. You know what's coming, don't you? Send Stuart. (laughs) No, that's not the dangerous one. The dangerous one is, here I am, Lord. Send me. And maybe today God is saying, yeah, I want to send you. You need a change of heart. And you need to do something with what I've asked you to do. Let's stand together, shall we? I'm going to ask the team to come up. They're going to lead us in a song. Or two. I wonder what struck you as you look at the person of Jesus. What strikes you about him? About his heart? He wasn't afraid to rub shoulders with the lowly and with the poor and with the lost and the broken. He wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty because he knew that a deep
difference that he could make in their lives. This morning, what is God calling you to do? What is he putting upon your heart to help and bless others? Lord, we thank you for Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who showed us how we should live in this world. And I want to pray for each of us, Lord. I pray that we would not have hearts of stone, but we'd have hearts of flesh. Hearts that are filled with your spirit. That feel as Jesus did. For the lost, for the poor, and for the broken. And I pray too, Lord, that it won't just be a feeling. That you will show us how we can. Share all that we have and all that we are with those around us. Lord, we pray today. Here we are. Send us.